Welcome to the AMM Podcast. I'm Andrew Michael Metter, and today my guest is Chris Akay. Hey, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I'm a marriage and sex therapist here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been in practice for about 10 years, um, and I'm very passionate about healthy sexual intimacy and connection. Thanks for having me. Great. So this is a follow-up episode to the first time I talked about the topic of sex dolls, sex doll brothels, mm-hmm. putting artificial intelligence into sex dolls. Mm-hmm. So imagine somewhere in the future, mm-hmm. uh, scientists say that by the year 2050, human-human interactions will be vastly outnumbered mm-hmm. by human-robot mm-hmm. sexual interactions. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the consequences of this becoming widespread and common in society? Yeah, that's a really um, huge question, and the implications are going to be multidimensional and multifaceted. So my first concern is um, isolation. I believe that um, all of us are designed for human connection. I think with the current pandemic uh, and the COVID crisis that has um, testified to itself. A lot of people have found themselves in isolation and they're not doing well. So um, I am a mental health practitioner and um, even my introverts that I work with are uh, hungry to get out and connect with other humans. So I think as far as the field in the field of human sexuality, that is the ultimate form of connecting with another human, right? Um, And so the idea that we are taking away one of the most powerful ways of connecting with other people and uh, directing it to a machine uh, or to an artificial substitute, I think is incredibly problematic. I mean, the implications relationally, physically, in terms of attachment theory, I don't know, a lot of people aren't familiar with attachment theory, but that's basically the study of human connection. Um, and uh, over and over again, from the time we are born, and some would say even in utero, uh our biology and our brains testify to the necessity of connecting with other human beings in a way that no ro- uh, robot would ever be able to truly um, satisfy or ultimately substitute for. Hmm. So I feel like when people use the term sex doll, it's trying to communicate uh-huh. something. Uh-huh. But I'm on the fence as to whether or not it's actually sex. Sure. It seems like this is a um, masturbatory apparatus. Yes. Something. That's right. So it, do you? is it sex in your opinion? If you have a, a lifelike, mm-hmm. human-like sex mm-hmm. doll. Uh-huh. At any point, does it actually become sex? Sure. Yeah, that's a great uh, question, Andrew. So um, I would agree with you in terms of it being more about masturbating uh, in a form of masturbation. Absolutely. I do believe um, that sex is about connection with other humans. Um, But for people to kind of tease out what they believe is sex, I think we have to dial it back even more and ask ourselves about a theology of sex. What are the purposes of sex? Um, Is it just procreation? Is it just for pleasure? Is it just for me having an orgasm? Um, And how I answer those questions will absolutely inform how I view the idea of having quote sex with a robot or not, or a sex doll. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think we have to, the conversation needs to be had. What are the purposes of sex? And according to my answers, that's going to inform how I view whether or not sex with a sex doll is legitimate sex or if it's just masturbation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So in, with what you know about attachment theory, uh-huh. can you explain what's happening physiologically in the brain sure. when you're having sex with another person versus... Absolutely. Yeah, so this is what I love about um, 
just so big picture, I believe that we are in a relationship crisis. I think we're in a sexual a sexual crisis, but as as well as a relational crisis. I think they're one and the same in many facets. Um, we're trying so hard to find an artificial substitute for things that take work. Um, we do that with school. A lot of people are going to school online, and I get that circumstances um, sometimes present themselves for people that they can't go to a classroom every day because maybe they're a stay at home working mom or, or stay at home mom or a single working dad, and they're trying to get their education. I get that. Um, but our education has gone to online. We're missing out on human interaction in the classroom. Our fitness is going online. A lot of people are deciding to buy at-home workouts or the bikes, that, you know, like the Pelotons or the things that you, you're in isolation exercising where it used to be you would go to the gym and have community and interact with other humans. Um, so it just feels like the whole world wants to shift to isolation and doing things virtually or artificially. Mm. Um, and I think that is problematic in terms of attachment theory because uh, as far as sexuality, and um, we are designed to connect with other humans and our brains and our, our neurochemicals literally testify to that. So, for example, when uh, a lot of women cannot become sexually aroused unless they are able to kiss their partner. So men have a bioactive testosterone in their saliva that actually triggers sexual arousal in the brains of women, which is a huge part of um, helping women get in the mood or buy into sexual intimacy with their mm. partner. So, um stereotypically a lot of men tend to be genitally focused, genitally focused with intercourse and women want to be a little more relational. So when I'm coaching couples, I coach men start from the head and work your way down. Right. And so, um, the sex doll is a substitute for that. You don't have to start from her face and work her way down. Um, but ultimately I do believe that men still do want face to face interaction and they want to have a sense of when they're with their partner, bringing her pleasure and that, um, she's smiling and she's pleased with him. Mm. Um, as far as, uh, some of the fun neurochemicals with men, um, they, there's research done around oxytocin. So oxytocin is a trust hormone, uh, that's released in our brains when we are laughing together, when we make prolonged eye contact, when we dance together, uh, when women breastfeed, um, and when, when people make love together. So they have tested, uh, a man, uh, masturbating to pornography and the levels of oxytocin that are released in his brain after orgasm to, uh, to pornography versus having sex with his partner and the levels of oxytocin that are present in his brain. And they literally jumped to 500 times the normal amount in the male brain after orgasm with his real life partner. And what that tells us hmm. is, um, well, a lot of things, but sex is designed to connect us. And so a lot of men feel more connected as a result of sex. Um, women typically want to feel connected to have sex, and men want to have sex to feel connected. So I always tell women, sex is a man's emotional conversation. Women want to sit and have emotional conversations. Men will open up after sex. Uh, oxytocin shuts the fear center in the brain down, and so it helps people feel safe. There's a sense of trust there. Um, and you're never going to experience that with a sex doll. I mean, just our neurochemicals and, and our hormones and the pheromones and the sense of chemistry that you have with another human being that has phys physiological uh, nuances, you're never going to be able to experience that with a robot. And I believe those are the things that um, heighten somebody's sexual intimacy experience, right? I mean, somebody wearing mm -hmm. cologne, the way somebody tastes, um, all these things can really heighten a person's experience of sexual arousal and passion. And we're never going to get that with a doll. Yeah, I think so, something that we talked about in prepping for this was I feel like this would be incredibly problematic on a widespread 
cultural scale mm-hmm. or widespread social acceptance mm-hmm. because I believe there's so much positive emotional and just general maturity that happens in a relationship. Absolutely. When you have someone that pushes back on you. That's right. That challenges you. Absolutely. And my concern would be if this is widespread and commonplace mm-hmm. that we're going to convert into spoiled little Nar- brats. That's right. Yes. And yeah. w- eventually we'll prefer the company of these AI mm-hmm. robots mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of uh-huh. other humans. Yeah. If I could speak to that, I think, um, as you and I spoke before, there's almost a built-in, um, not dissonance, but like a... There's something inside of us that no matter what we seek out in our self-centeredness or our selfishness, we are not ever really going to be satisfied. I believe that we are designed to give and that we feel most fulfilled when we're giving and and receiving. There's an art there, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm just taking all the time and consuming, um, even in my sexual pleasure, that's going to get boring. I work with sexual addiction and pornography addiction, and that's kind of the nature of that is people are taking and taking and taking. They're trying to use that sexual pleasure to self-soothe or emotionally regulate, um, and they're not necessarily focused on being a servant uh, in their love life and giving back. Um, And I coach couples, the best type of sexual intimacy or lovemaking is between two um, servant-hearted mindsets, you know, giving, wanting to prioritize your other, the other person's pleasure. Mm. Um, and that plays out in the interplay between men and women. Most of the men that I work with don't want a disengaged woman. They want a woman who is responsive to their touch or is responsive to their sexual pursuit. That is unique to masculinity. Men want to feel enjoyed. They want to feel like what they offer generally or in their touch or their interplay, they want to feel pleasing in that. And women want to feel pleasing as well. We are women designed, we're designed to respond. So if I offer myself sexually or I'm standing naked before my partner, I want my partner to look at me and just be over the moon about how I look naked Mm -hmm. or how I'm, what I'm presenting or even uh, moving towards him sexually or initiating lovemaking. So I think human desire, uh, we can't get away from the fact that both genders want to feel pleasing and wanted and desired. And a doll is never going to, uh, a doll's not going to communicate that. And so if eventually, um, at, you know, what happens in addiction is I need more and more and more. So let's say I have this doll that I've created that just plays into all the physical fantasies I have of a male or a female. Cause they'd have male, you know, male dolls for females or, or men that are into men and, and vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. So I create this physical fantasy. Well, that's going to get boring. It's going to get boring because I don't care if it's programmed to talk about science. Eventually it's going to be the same, right? I mean, it's only going to talk about science in so many different ways, right? Yeah. And so it's really intriguing to, to have sex with somebody who can hold a conversation when you're done with sex or before sex, right? I mean, let's mm-hmm. go out to dinner and have an intellectual conversation or let's talk about what, you know, you want to do this weekend or what's going on or our goals together as a couple. And a doll's never going to be able to meet those needs. Right. And so um, we might think, you know, immediate gratification. I think people who don't want to do the work or they're too busy or they're tired or maybe they have avoidant attachment stuff where they're not sure how to really connect and put themselves out there with a real human. The sex doll will supplement for that, but only for a time. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that we're making sex dolls even testifies to that. Right. So like 60 to 70 percent of the population is currently regularly viewing pornography. I think people get bored with that because we want the real thing. We want a real person. And so it's not just enough to view pornography and and engage that fantasy. Now I need something with, quote, skin on it. So I'm Mm going to create a doll. But eventually that's not going to be enough because I 
again, at my core, I believe we ultimately want a real person to connect to because of the multidimensional being that you and I are, that's going to offer so much more than just I'm having an orgasm and then moving on with my evening. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Let's, let's talk about potential positives. Okay. That could come from this. Okay. So the, the one positive that I could think of potentially is if there were someone who was very solitary, Mm -hmm. maybe they had awful social skills, Mm -hmm. they couldn't read social cues, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to have this partner. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's worth developing this technology for that small niche of people? Yeah, that's a hard question to answer, honestly. Um, And I say that because I think when we develop, quote, technology or certain things for a small niche of people, it's not ever stewarded well, or it always gets out of hand. Um, yeah, that's hard. So I think human, the human behavior side of me says we need to honor why these dolls are being made in the first place. Human behavior makes sense. So when clients come in and they do, they're, they're quote, feeling crazy. My job is to figure out, well, your behaviors are serving a purpose for you. So let's validate that, honor why they're there, and then figure out, is there a healthier way to have those needs met? And so if somebody mm-hmm. decided that sex dolls, you know, were going to be a perhaps adequate way to meet some needs. Um, so we need to honor why they're being created. Um, but ultimately, I believe sexual desire is something that was designed in us to create us to move towards people desire is is supposed to be an impetus to drive me toward connection otherwise i would be happy to live in isolation or you might be happy to live in isolation but if i have this sexual need or this physical need uh that i would like to have met by somebody a sense of Mm -hmm. connection that's going to force me as you talked about earlier coming out of that self-centeredness to be others focused to show up and and uh and to be present as a person and to love you and respect you and serve you well and hopefully invite you into that deeper connection Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think ultimately, as far as the positives, I get why it might be there, but I think the negatives far outweigh any positives. And I, I think it's just one more step toward that, um, that relationship crisis that I'm really concerned about just the artificial Mm -hmm. substitutes. It's like, okay, if I eat McDonald's, you know, they've done research over and over again. There was a whole Netflix thing on, if you eat McDonald's every day for this amount of time, your body's going to start crashing, right? I mean, the artificial food, the processed food, it's never going to satisfy your body the way that whole food or health food is supposed to satisfy us. And we're not going to be able to function at the same level. And I think it's the same thing with sexual intimacy, the artificial substitutes, you know, if it's pornography, if it's toys, if it's some, any type of third party, I think it's an artificial thing for actually driving couples back to oneness and connection and wholeness together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On that same topic, maybe this isn't the right way to phrase it, but mm-hmm. is sex a human right? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by right? Um, can you be healthy emotionally mm-hmm. without ever having sex in your life? Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I don't think culture teaches that at all. Um, I believe that we are sexual beings from our DNA outward. I think at the cellular level, we're just designed to be sexual beings, male and female, X chromosomes, Y chromosomes. I mean, Mm -hmm. genetically, we are designed to be sexual beings. We have body parts that say that. We have hormones that tell us that. Um, 
I think being a sexual being is core to who we are. Um, but there are different types of sexuality to acknowledge here. So there's social sexuality, which is what does it mean for me to be female? What does it mean for you to be male? What does it mean to interact in social settings or cultural settings where that's appropriate and within those boundaries? And then there's erotic sexuality, which is in theory between two people. And that's more of the bedroom stuff, you know, the sexual arousal, the desire, orgasm, etc. Um, so can people be healthy and live without erotic sexuality? Yeah. Absolutely. Or are there healthier means to deal with urges? Yeah, absolutely. As far as it being a right, I mean, no one's ever died from not having an orgasm and nobody's ever died from, you know, being a virgin. It might not be preferable, but there are people that have lived without erotic sexuality and a partner their entire life Mm -hmm. and they've been fine. So that was the point I was trying to get at because I think that informs, like, if we're looking at this conversation Uh to be able to say, this is a starting place. Mm-hmm. These things are going to be much more prevalent in our future. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about them now. Mm-hmm. If if sex mm-hmm. were something that was viewed as mm-hmm. essential right. to every human being, mm-hmm. I think that would bring a strong case mm-hmm. for these people that are solitary, mm-hmm. who don't have... Mm-hmm maybe the social means mm-hmm. of of having a partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is honestly where I think our moral codes inform that. And we all have different senses of, of, of a different value system and different morals. You know, mm-hmm. so you had Alfred Kinsey, who was originally a zoologist. Um, and many would say um, from a sexuality camp was a pedophile, but he conducted research on um, children. And there's a whole Kinsey Institute um, that promotes what he taught and pursued. So you have that moral camp that, you know, um, there's a whole, and for the sake of, people can Google that. (laughs) So there's a whole Kinsey Institute there. Or you have the sex trafficking industry. I mean, next to illegal arms and artillery, Mm -hmm. uh, it's the second largest illegal um, business worldwide, multi-billion dollar. And so if my moral code is I deserve sex or I'm going to take sex wherever I can get it, you know, then you have to look at, well, morally, what does that imply for the people that are being victimized or being trafficked? They're just there for your pleasure. Um, so I think this is where if, if it's a right and I, I get to demand it, you have to, you have to bring in morals in order to, to regulate that. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a really slippery line, uh-huh. and I hesitate to bring it up just mm-hmm. because of how <laughs> nervous it makes me. Sure. But I feel like something along these lines, because many of these sex dolls can be sculpted after anime characters, sure. fictional characters, That's right. or even mm-hmm. celebrities. Right. There are celebrities that have their sex doll, and you can... <laughs> You can purchase it. Great. Okay. <laughs> um, but having dolls that look very young. Correct. Yes. Like many anime or manga characters. Yep. And then even the possibility of animals or non-human organisms. That's right. Being fabricated. That's right. Bestiality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can I can speak to my concerns there because yeah. I've seen some of the dolls and honestly it was really disturbing. So I'm a female. Uh, and so even from a female perspective, I think obviously it's, it's 
of we're going to take it personally, right? I mean, the core of femininity is we want to offer beauty in a way that holds somebody's attention. And it's not just physical beauty. It's just who I am as a person. So if you tell me I have a nice booty, but you can't see my heart, that's not going to be satisfying. Or if you say, hey, you're really smart, but you're not that pretty, that's also not going to be satisfying. So the core of femininity is Mm. I want to offer beauty in a way that's special, unique, and holds the attention of somebody special to me that no other female can. I mean, we see that in social media. I mean, you get on Instagram or Facebook or what at TikTok and it's like females have figured out how to capture attention because females want attention. So when all of the female gender looks at these sex dolls and sees breasts that are grossly enhanced or hips and booties that are grossly enhanced and that most people would not be able to um, obtain without major plastic surgery, that's concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this brain priming phenomenon that happens. And I think that's where you were going, Andrew, is um, if I am regularly masturbating to a certain image over and over again, eventually my brain is going to pair with that image in order to become sexually aroused. That's what I'm seeing in a lot of my sex mm. therapy is guys in their 20s that have plenty of testosterone that have been using and abusing pornography for a long time can't obtain erections because they've been masturbating to certain images or positions on the internet for a decade. And now they're with a real-life woman who doesn't want to be treated that way or doesn't look that way, and they can't obtain an erection or can't sexually perform. And that's because of brain priming. Like we, our brains are really malleable. Like it's really easy for me to go. Um, well, I'll give you an example from a psychology study. So most people don't like the taste of onions (laughs) when they're kissing somebody. Um, there was a study done where in classical conditioning where they, this sounds silly, but go with me. So, um, they, there was a study done where they had this couple kiss, um, after they had eaten onions, and they kissed to the point of sexual arousal. They had to kiss, 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 make out hard until they became sexually Mm -hmm. aroused and fight through that that onion taste. Well, eventually, they trained their brains to become sexually aroused to the taste of onions. So they could taste an onion and become sexually aroused without any kissing. This is a thing. So it's, it sounds silly, but no, I use, it, make, it makes sense. But that's our brains. Like we are always pairing to things. That's, that's what mm-hmm. marketing is. That is what marketing does is like brain priming and brain pairing. And so that's, what's the problem with the porn industry. And then now moving into the sex dolls is if I can only get sexually aroused to a female doll that looks like she's 18 to 24 years old, but I'm a 65 year old man. And then I want to move out back out in the dating world. And I want to date women that are developmentally appropriate, right? I mean, I'm going to be bold in saying that, developmentally appropriate. Like, if I'm 65, I don't need to be dating somebody who could be my granddaughter. Just don't. Um, that might be bold. But developmentally, um, usually when people do do that, there's some, stu- there's some stuff going on there that they're stuck in. Maybe there's a dad issue or, a, you know, maybe he got stuck at a certain age. And even though he's 65, he's emotionally 20 years old, et cetera. Mm. Um, so there's the brain priming concern of, only females that look like this and are in this age demographic are sexually arousing for me. And then if I ever decide to walk away from my doll or my doll isn't doing it for me anymore and I want to move back into dating a real life woman, I'm probably going to have to go through detox. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's the same thing with females. I mean, it's the same thing with women, you know, and the male dolls that they're creating. Um, Brain priming is a thing, and we just need to be very. I always coach my clients. You need to be very careful what you're. If you're going to masturbate, uh, you need to be very careful what you're masturbating to, because you're training your brain to become aroused by certain stimuli, um, and when when that stimuli is not present anymore, 
you're going to have a hard time uh, trying to connect with your partner. So with that pairing, yeah, is it possible to decouple and pair with nothing, or do you have to pair with something to become aroused? Yeah, do you have to pair with something uh-huh. that is um, more realistic? I guess. Yeah. For that to change. Yeah. Oh well, this is a big conversation. So, um, so with men, I mean, there's this whole conversation about men are visual and women are bot. Well, women are visual as well, and there are actually a lot more women that are watching pornography now as well. Um, that's mm-hmm. very much so on the rise. So women are, I think, ju- can be just as visually stimulated and aroused. Um, oftentimes, when people are in the middle of intercourse, a lot of women. Um, might close their eyes so they can really focus in on the, the, the physical pleasure of the experience in order to allow themselves to relax. The female brain at rest is still 90% active, so it's really hard a lot of the time for women to be mindful when they're in, in the middle of intercourse. So if they close their eyes and, I, you know, if I coach them to calm down and be present and really focus on the physical pleasure, um, that even happens with when women masturbate. They just really hone in on the physical pleasure, and that allows their brain to respond to, you know, climax if their bodies are going to get there. Um, But women have to get out of their head to do that. Men, a lot of the time, do want the visual stimuli. And so, yeah, absolutely, there's going to be a a period of detox where eventually that sexual energy will kind of regenerate, and then you'll start retraining your brain to become sexually aroused to a different stimulus. So that is possible, but it can be frustrating, and it, it can take a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? You you did, but not directly. Okay. So I was asking, is it possible mm-hmm. to just decouple and not pair with anything? Okay. Or do you have to pair with something? To be aroused? Yeah. Well, usually there's some... like So the brain is the most powerful sex organ. It's the biggest sexual organ, and it's the most powerful. So if our heads aren't in the game, so, so to speak... Uh, <laughs> Um, not always. I do think, um, for, I think especially with male sexuality, you might see, well, even some high testosterone females. So testosterone is the main sex driver. Uh, and that's, that's usually what, uh, leads to the feeling of quote horniness or just needing to, you know, achieve orgasm. Um, and so usually men, especially in adolescence through their twenties, um, if they're healthy, uh, can have, you know, erections and orgasm without much stimulus, right? Sometimes it's just Mm -hmm. a hormonal thing. And some women, depending on the time of month and their menstruation or depending on their testosterone levels, can climax in their sleep as well. So um, I don't think people always need a stimulus to achieve orgasm, if that's Mm. what you're asking. Yeah. Um, But more often than not, especially once you get into a relationship, you're going to... Stimuli are usually required. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So going back more to the sex dolls specifically, uh-huh. I would also imagine if this is common and societally accepted, that there would be these hybrid relationships. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm, there are many relationships that already are monogamous, right. but have dildos or other sorts That's of right. sex toys yep. that are involved. Right. Do you, do you see these artificially intelligent sex dolls any differently than a dildo or some other vibrator, some other toy? No, I don't. I think it's just another form of a substitute. It's a third-party stimulus. And again, my understanding of, of fulfilling healthy sexuality is not is about oneness. It's about oneness. It's about connection. I have people that come in and they involve third parties um, and 
it rarely turns out the way they think it's going to. So a lot of the time, a couple might get into a quote slump, like, oh, we just need something to spice it up. We just need something a little more erotic. So they'll get into swinging or they'll bring in a third party or they'll do the threesome thing or they'll start um, watching porn together. Or um, if they're not sure how to help the female get to orgasm, they'll bring in toys. Um, And I don't think toys are always bad. I think that that's... um, you have to be careful with those um, because the you typically, especially for women, the stimulation is so intense for the vulva. And, and if they're clitorally focused, um, the the vibrator or the dildo may be so intense that a human penis is never going to be able to perform like that. And so mm-hmm. um, you have to be very intentional about how you use toys because a lot of the time with the intense stimulation, the nerves, the outer third of the vulva is uh, where most of a female's nerve endings lie. And there are 10,000 nerve endings. There are 8,000 nerve endings just in the clitoris. And the only purpose it serves is sexual pleasure. So if you stimulate that so intensely with a vibrator or a dildo too often, those nerves will retract from that outer third. And so then when you move Mm. back towards your human partner, a man's penis is not meant to rotate at, you know, 5,000 RPM or whatever, you know, (laughs) per minute, Yeah, whatever the number is. It's just not, you guys, I mean, it's just not humanly possible, right? So I think with toys, they're not always bad, but you have to be careful about how they're used. Okay, but back to the third party, I think... um, Yes, a doll could absolutely just serve as another substitute. So I have couples where the wife doesn't have a libido um, for, you know, female sexuality is very complex. And I do a lot of educating around that. But maybe they just haven't put in enough work around why she doesn't have a libido. Maybe they've just become really routine and complacent. and They're not doing enough work to kind of help her get in the mood. Um, or maybe hormonally she's off or she's not getting enough rest or she's tired and stressed or she doesn't feel good about her body, etc. So she'll just mm-hmm. say, here, I bought you a porn channel. Here, here's your porn channel. Go masturbate to porn. Or husbands will go find a prostitute. Or she'll say, I don't care. You know, go sleep with whoever. I just, I don't want to know about it. So there are a lot of couples that when they're not on the same page with sexual desire, which is common. I mean, most couples are never on the same page in terms of how often they would both want to copulate, if you will. Um, So some people don't want to put in the work and they're tired of so-and-so being frustrated. So it's, hey, go find a third party. And there's no reason why a sex doll wouldn't absolutely in the future be used as yet another resource as a third party or an outlet for a masturbatory experience. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that seems... So if our ideal is human-to-human connection, Uh feeling close... Yes, having an emotionally healthy yeah, relationship. Absolutely. It seems like like if I'm putting myself in that perspective mm-hmm. and let's say my wife says, "Hey, you know, I'm not I just had a really tough day. I've got a headache. Yeah. I don't really like I just can't." Yeah. Why don't you pick another medium? Yeah. Yeah. Take this sex doll. Right. It feels like you would pair with that. Mhm much easier because that is never telling you no Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean it's like the fast food it's Mm -hmm. convenient it's Mm -hmm. how you want Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. there's no need for communication Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. there's not necessarily any letdowns right right so that that seems problematic well, for is, the ideal of yeah, what we're going for. Absolutely. It is very problematic because in order for any of us to move towards something that initially might feel really weird or that's whack or like, what? What the mm-hmm. heck? I mean, so many people like sex dolls, but it used to be like that with pornography or it used to be like that with swinging or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the, every generation, there's a new level of sexual experimentation or 
pushing the boundaries. And so we very mm-hmm. easily become desensitized to things. We just do. Um, and so um, for me to engage with a doll that might have originally been like, what in the world? That There's no way that's so creepy. Um, I'm going to have to go someplace in my brain where I disconnect. Uh, and it's going to be a place of fantasy, probably, mm. or out of touch with reality in order to fully engage in that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to have to disconnect from a part of myself as well as my, my partner and what I maybe initially was hungry for with my partner in order to continue to engage with something and not feel bad about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not feel weird, not feel shame, not feel odd. I'm going to have to convince myself cognitively, Hey, this is okay. This is okay. And it's because of blank. And so I'm going to go someplace in my head. That's probably not going to be healthy, um, to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree with you. It absolutely is problematic. And the other thing, Andrew, I think that's problematic culturally that people are experiencing, but they don't know how to put words to is that culturally the purpose of sex has become the high. It's not about oneness. It's not about nurturing. It's not about connection. Um, it's about the, the eroticism. It's about the orgasm. Like I have to have the, the best orgasm I can get or the most intense orgasm I can get. And if it's not intense this time, next time, let's try this. Let's add this into our, our interplay to make it more intense. Mm. And anytime we make sex about just the orgasm and just the high, we're going to end up most likely in addictive patterns or behaviors. Does that make sense? So if you were to look at a brain scan of a person in the middle of using cocaine and then in the person in the middle of having an orgasm, you literally can't tell the difference between the two. The, they're, they, they, um, they light up the same pleasure centers in the brain. Mm-hmm. So um, we are supposed to experience highs in our sex life. Like sex is supposed to be euphoric and pleasurable. And for some people, an act of worship or heavenly or like out of body, like it's supposed to be fantastic. Um, but when we start trying to find that in other things outside of our partner or human interaction, it's going to become addictive because it's never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And you're going to have to keep pushing it farther and farther. Like with Correct. pornography, Correct. you just keep... We go to the next, the next edgy thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think the problematic piece is because people are so focused on just an orgasm now masturbating to different stimulus or stimuli has become the norm. It's the pornography. It's the sex dolls. It's the sex trafficking. I mean, that's not making love. That's not, that's master. That's you're using something. You're using a human being. You're using someone to get off, Mm -hmm. to get your quote needs met. All right. And that's, ultimately what what good sex is never going to be about can oneness and love making be athletic and be aggressive and be intense absolutely it doesn't have to be slow and sensual and like you know hallmark movie um mm-hmm. but if you're not ultimately moving towards another person and, and allowing each other to nurture one another and enjoy each other with that skin on skin i think i think you're gonna become you're gonna get stuck and you're gonna ultimately um there's gonna be a lot of dissatisfaction mm-hmm. yeah Many of these sex dolls are advertised as having different modes. <laughs> yeah. So there's like erotic mode. Uh-huh. There's family mode. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> like the robot serving dinner at the table or like, I hey think, kids, let's read a story. I mean, it just made me think of like, yeah. you're at Thanksgiving yeah. and you save a seat for your the sex doll. doll. What? Yeah. And it's able to oblige mm-hmm. and polite. Politically correct conversation, I guess. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that it can be accepted as part of... That's right. 
the family normalized. Yeah. yeah. But, I guess. But, and so I think that, again, testifies to the fact that we want the real thing. We want the real thing. Because if I just wanted sex, I wouldn't have to program my sex doll to talk with me intellectually about science. Or if I just wanted sex, I wouldn't have to program family mode into my sex doll. I'm looking for a partner. I'm looking for someone to do life with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And ultimately, we know intuitively, I believe, that our erotic sexual self is not the main part of my day. Does that make sense? Like my erotic sexuality does not trump my entire day unless I'm like in full blown, like major addiction where I'm just masturbating all day and I can't get out of porn or I can't get out of hooking up with different people all day. I mean, most of us, our erotic sexuality is a very small part of our week. And so because of that truth and that, like, we can't live in constant orgasm. We would be exhausted, and our brains can't handle it. We can't. And that's why erotic sexuality shouldn't, it can't trump the entire week. Like, yeah. if you were to map it out on a pie chart, erotic sexuality might be, I mean, if you're doing it once or twice a day, you know, it might be 10 to 15% of where all your energy goes during the week. Well, what about that other 80, 85%? Well, and again, that's still a high percentage, right? So um, I want somebody to be able to sit at the table with. I want somebody to talk about my day with. I don't, mm-hmm. I, we, again, don't want to live in isolation. None of us as human beings were made for isolation. And I think the fact that people are living in isolation, they're finding it problematic, that's probably why they're creating these dolls. Hey, I don't have anybody I really feel connected with, so I'm going to create a sense of feeling connected. It's like why, why people leave TV on at night when they live by themselves. Having human voices in the room feels mm-hmm. like I'm not alone. So like people that I've counseled that have lost a spouse or times where, you know, in my singleness, I felt really lonely. Let's just turn a movie on just so it feels like there are other people in the room. Mm-hmm. We're just not made to be alone. So I think we find ways to not feel so lonely. And I think the dolls are probably have come out of that. Somebody felt really lonely and wasn't sure how to connect. Um, and so I'm going to create a doll that can meet all my needs. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about other sexual encounters besides dolls that okay. are new. So okay. technologically, there's a lot of augmented and virtual reality. Yep. So augmented is where you overlay something that's perceptible amongst Mm -hmm. the real world. Mm -hmm. Virtual reality is totally fabricated. Mm -hmm. I just imagine these technologies being applied in ways that are providing, quote, full sensory experiences Uh with virtual reality goggles. Mm -hmm. You would have the same reaction to that as sex dolls. Can you be a little more specific? Are we talking about like watching pornography or walk, watching a sex scene? Yeah, like watching, um, I guess, like 360 porn uh-huh. that you're watching through virtual reality goggles yeah. or some sort of animated mm-hmm. sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you just want me to speak to that? Yeah. Andrew? Yeah, so I think, again, I'm going to go back to we are three-dimensional and we want a three-dimensional experience, which is why we're creating virtual reality. <laughs> Right. If I'm looking at a flat screen watching porn, that eventually is really boring, actually. It's just boring. Like You can only watch somebody masturbate somebody else for so long before you're like, all right, next. I just think that's boring. Uh, I think a lot of people find that boring, um, which is why they have to go into the next video or the next body or the next et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we want that three-dimensional experience. And so even if it's virtual reality, it's still one-dimensional. It's still on a screen. It's not skin-to-skin. 
I'm not being held by somebody. The fear center in my brain might still be very much awake and alive because I don't have that oxytocin experience. I'm, I'm not able to enjoy my partner's breath or their cologne or their perfume or the way their sweat smells or their hair smells when I'm laying next to them or we're just mm-hmm. kind of cuddling and enjoying each other. We want touch. We want a, f- a five sensory experience, taste, touch, smell, sound. Um, what else am I missing? Sight, visual, right? <laughs> Right. And so to take away from so much of that sensory experience, I think, is just cheating an individual from what real awesome passionate intimacy can be. And, you know, what's really fun, Andrew, is I can, you know, if people want to disagree with me about this, that's great. In my practice, I have seen this play out to be true. So when I have people come in and they say, yeah, I've been stuck on this for forever, but ultimately maybe I'm having the best sex I've ever had because I'm including all five senses. I'm including all dimensions of my person. They're not just somebody to use for orgasm. I want to connect with them. We've started talking during sex or we've talked before or after sex or now we cuddle. I mean, all of those people that have experienced that one dimensional sex and have chosen to start learning how to include all the other dimensions have all said this is the best sex I've ever had. It feels more passionate. It feels more fulfilling. It just feels more life-giving. I think that's what we're made for. Mm-hmm. So we know that these things are true at a chemical level. Uh-huh. The oxytocin, the bonding. Yeah, yeah. For human-to-human sexual interaction over yeah. human-to-anything else. That's right. Do you feel like the government has a responsibility to step in and legislate these types of things? Hmm. Like, to make sex robots illegal if we know that it's comprehensively bad for Mm. the human condition over time yeah that's a really big question i'm not sure i'm gonna be the best at answering this i think (laughs) oh dear i just feel like sexually the oh gosh well here we go i feel like sexually the government has not demonstrated a high moral code at all and with their abuse of power and all the things that we find out about the people and what they're doing in the background and, you know, Democratic, Republican, whatever, like everyone has their sexual baggage that's come out in their campaigns. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the government, which is basically comprised of human beings that have a lot of power that aren't necessarily using it well, um, would be the right place to start in terms of what they're regulating there. Um yeah, because we're kind of, again, because to me it goes back to morals. It goes back to a value system and a moral code. And so if I'm a sex addict and I'm a senator, well, you do whatever you got to do to get yours, right? Or if I, does that make sense? I mean, that's the reality of it. Yeah. That's the reality of it, you know? Um, and so I just, I feel like, I don't know as the government is the answer to regulating this because mm-hmm. I don't know as they're regulating their own sex sexuality very well, if that's my honest answer i don't think they're handling their own it's a power hot take from carissa <laughs> yes it's true though <laughs> i mean that's why so many people are so cynical it's like we haven't seen people steward their power well everyone mm-hmm. misuses their positions of power and so now we have you know the millennials i'm a millennial we're all um really skeptical of people in leadership we don't trust anybody we don't trust doctors we don't trust politicians we don't. We don't trust people because we feel yeah. like there's been so much inauthenticity and so much abuse of power. And then we keep finding about all these scandals. And so we just are really jaded and probably with good reason. So when you say government and regulating sex stuff, I'm like, oh, Lord, I think they should all be in their own sex therapy, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think about it from 
like the seatbelt law gets used as, as an example mm-hmm. for a lot of things. Yeah. Government says you're safer if you wear a seatbelt. Right. So we're going to require you to wear a seatbelt. Right. right. But I just wonder, I guess I long for people to have this awareness and this education about how to be well. Right. Like I talk, Same. With, I talk with my students about what does it mean to be a whole person? Amen. Absolutely. You're not just a student. You know, you're a brother or sister, maybe you're yeah. a son or daughter. That's right. A you, friend. Yeah. 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 And how, how can you experience physical health, emotional health, yeah. spiritual health? You know, yeah. what do all those things mean? Yeah. And I just wonder, like, it's so convoluted because you think about these people that have invested in these companies. Yeah. And maybe the, the person that started one of these sex doll companies mm-hmm. was like, you know, I really want to help bring uh-huh. companionship to someone. Yeah. But then there's all these. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, even for just a mental health perspective, I mean, what you're describing as far as where somebody's brain would have to hang out in order to make a doll a real life person to me sounds like now we're getting into like cognitive dissonance, some schizophrenic type thinking. I mean, we are not in touch with reality. Now we're being delusional. Mm. It's just delusional. It is delusional. And that's the fact of it. And the fantasy based, you know, I work with people around their fantasies. I do fantasy assessments. I think they're fascinating uh, because they're a roadmap into what we're really hungry for. Like Mm -hmm. we all have fantasies and the idea is they tell us about what we really want, what we really are hungry for. But for me to look at a doll and think that it's just like the person on my right who's a real life person with, you know, blood, flesh and tears and a soul, um, Mm -hmm. it's totally delusional. And it's 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 unnerving from a mental health perspective about people not being in touch with reality. Cause if people aren't in touch with reality, then there are a whole nother slew of implications for how we can anticipate human behavior to play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up with this. Perfect. I feel like, like something that I've said about relationships uh-huh. is like, I grew up hearing that relationships are give and take. Yes. And I would hear that and think, the taking yeah. it bothers me. Okay. And so I try and think of relationships like give and receive. Receive's a good word. Like mm-hmm. what can I what can I give to a friendship? What mm-hmm. can I give to my spouse? Yeah. Without without doing it in a self centered or selfish way That's where right. I'm really doing it to try and model what I want from them. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? On the given receive versus the given take? Yeah, well, so I think we are finite beings. I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs would say we all have very basic human needs that need to be cared for before we can even have the conversation of self actualization. So we are needy. Our flesh is needy. We need sleep. We need nutrition. We need touch to thrive. That's attachment theory. I mean, babies, failure to thrive, it's they're not getting enough touch. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are needy beings. So there is an element where we are allowed to be selfish. We have to be. I have to be selfish in my therapy practice. If I don't take care of myself and set boundaries around Mm -hmm. my time and my energy, I'm not going to be able to give so that my clients can receive. So there has to be a balance of giving and receiving. Our genitalia, I think, are fat, like awesome as far as they testify that we are designed to give and to receive. Our very anatomy says we are designed to give and to receive. Um, I think, again, depending on moral code and, and upbringing and et cetera, we um, can feel different ways about taking or receiving. I think they're both essential, right? I want to be able to give to my partner, and if he can't receive from me, that's going to that's gonna 
make me feel some kind of way, right? Like I want him Mm -hmm. to be selfish at some level and enjoy what I'm offering and men vice versa. Men want to be able to give in terms of sexuality. They want to give physical pleasure. They want to offer their anatomy and bring pleasure to a female and she needs to be able to receive that. And he, he derives great pleasure from that. I hear that all the time. So I think there's a balance. I think unfortunately, culturally we have bought into the lie that it's all about taking or receiving culturally we are mm. incredibly selfish the rates of narcissism are through the roof um and i think that's ultimately why we're in a relational crisis and a sexual crisis is because we have bought into the lie that it's all about me it's just all about me you know that's the marketing thing right? that's the platform for marketing you deserve faster internet you deserve this you mm-hmm. deserve that and so we embrace this entitlement thing where yeah i do deserve this or yeah it is all about me and what i want and anytime you are living in selfishness or narcissism, you are working against healthy relationship and connection. So I think there's a balance. Unfortunately, I think our culture has swung way too far one direction on the taking or the receiving, but ultimately both are essential for a healthy relationship and, and sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks, Carissa. You're welcome. This was a pleasure. I appreciate you, Andrew.